Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. Well, this morning, I'm going to answer what I believe is one of the most frequently asked questions that people ask. They ask me anyway. And the question is this, where was God when? And you could fill in the blank on that one, but we're going to focus in on a particular where was God when. Where was God when I was hurting? Where was God when I was in pain? Where was God when that person I was married to walked away? Where was God when my loved one passed away? Where was he? People ask that question a lot. The fact is that none of us, unless there's something wrong with us, like pain. I hate pain. I don't like needles either. And when the nurse goes, oh, just a little sting, she's lying. It's never a little sting. It hurts. The reason I know that it hurts is because I say, ouch. And the word ouch has always got an explanation mark next to it. I don't care if you say it softly or not. Ouch. Or ouch. There's a lot of ouches in life. There's a lot of pain. Where's God when we're hurting? Where's God when we're in pain? Now, all pain is not alike. All pain is not equal. And uh, there's basically three categories or types of pain, if you will. Uh, One of them is called ache. And aching is not intense, sharp pain necessarily, but it's just that ongoing pain that we get, that we have to just endure. It could be headache, backache, toothache. (laughs) There's a lot of aches, isn't there? Go to the gym and work out. And if if you're not sore the next day, if you're not aching in your muscles or something, you didn't really work out. You sat on the bench and talked to people. A lot of people go there, go to the gym, and they sit there the whole time on their phone. It's like, are you gonna are you gonna use that machine, or are you gonna sit there texting your friends and looking at social media? It's like, get off the machine, use it or lose it, move move on. If you're not in pain, if you're not aching, if your joints aren't aching, your muscles aren't aching, you probably haven't had much of a workout. But then there's that intense, sharp, intense pain. And we'll just call that one pain. It's often from an injury like a broken bone or you hit your head. It's, it's something that you can't ignore that. That's not going to go away easy. It's, it's, it's real and, and it hurts. And it's intense and it's often associated with injury. And then the third type, it's, uh, we're going to actually refer to all three of these this morning without actually being uh, too deliberate on what I'm going to call it, pain or, or ache. But the third type of pain generally is called hurt. Hurting is an adjective or it's a verb that describes an ache or, or a pain. So my, my, my knee is hurting. It's because I had an injury in my knee. My, my shoulder is hurting because I I had an injury. It's describing your injury. And and hurt can also be used to warn somebody, look, 
uh, if, if you do it that way, you're going to really hurt. Don't, don't, don't play with the knife, Johnny, or you'll hurt yourself. So those three types are, are very real. We don't like them. And often we ask, where was God in the middle of the ache, the pain, or the hurt? Where was he? Now, there are two things that you can do when it comes to any of these three. You, you can ignore it, kind of. Pretty hard to do, though, with ache. Pretty hard to do with pain. You're not going to ignore that one. You can, you, can, you can do nothing about it, hope it'll go away, but it probably won't. But sometimes that's the only option that we have, is to do nothing. Because sometimes it's like, well, there's nothing I can do. Oftentimes, however, there is, like go to the hospital, go see the doctor, uh, go see someone that will help you. The other thing we can do is we can attend to it, not, not ignore it, but we can do something about it. I've been in a lot of painful situations through injuries where I've done something about it. I, I refuse to just go, oh, well, that's just, that's just the way it is. I fell off the bike, shattered my elbow, hurt my hurt my, this is all true by the way, hurt my shoulder, hit my head, lucky I had a helmet on, broke the helmet, not my head. Uh, uh, but there's something I can do, I'm not going to put up with this for the rest of my life, and, and, and so I went about self-diagnosing when doctors say there's nothing we can do, I thought, well I'm going to go and see what Google and the internet has to say about that, and I found out there's a lot that I could do, and I did it, and now I'm pain free in those areas, thank God. But sitting back and doing nothing, for me, it's not an option. So I don't like pain, and I don't believe that you do either. And aches or intense pain or hurt, all things are bad. Uh, it's real, hard to ignore, hard to make sense out of. We hate it when we hurt. We hate it physically. We hate it financially. This is not just one type. It's not all physical pain. They're all real. But we also hate it emotionally. You know, emotional pain is just as real as physical pain. If you're hurting mentally, if you're hurting in your heart, you've got a heartache from a breakup or from losing something else, financially even. If, you're, if your heart is hurting, your emotions are hurting, the seat of your emotions, your heart, you're hurting. It's real. Where's God in the middle of all of that? Again, that's the, that's the question for this morning. It's, it's real. Sometimes pain is for a purpose, however. You think, well, what would be the purpose of pain? Well, talk to a mother. She gave birth. I know there's epidurals and there's lots of things that moms can take, but I think even with that, ladies, you can help me out. I think there's a lot of pain in childbearing, in childbirth. And I think that we're all very happy that our, our moms went through that, uh, not necessarily with great glee, but they did it, and we're all here as a result of that. There's also pain when you go to the dentist that has purpose. Now, I don't like it when they take out the drill and they say, you got a cavity, and so we're just gonna, we're just gonna drill here probably along with needles, and they do the needle thing first. We do have dentists here this morning, so I'm, I'm being 
I'm gingerly stepping carefully. It's like, oh, don't worry. You won't even feel the drilling. You're lying. I always feel the drilling. I feel it because I can hear it. And when that little drill bit heats up and they got the other person squirting water in your mouth trying to cool the drill bit, but, you know, that so like every time there's going to hit that nerve. But we're going to do something so that you don't feel any pain. We're going to stick a needle in your gum first. It's like, no, I don't want the needle, but I don't want the drill either, but I don't want the cavity, and I don't want the result. So there's purpose in pain sometimes. And sometimes, I'll put it this way, sometimes there's purpose for that pain. And we need to find out, okay, that's something that I'm just going to have to get through. That's just the way it is. But the fact is that you can still be, you can be totally in God's will and be hurting. Has anybody noticed that life isn't fair? <laughs> anybody other than me notice that God, uh, God is there, but life is not fair? And the fact is that bad things happen to good people. And if we don't realize that, well, we're not living in reality. There are bad things that happen. So this morning, I, I want to I be a kind of a coach to you this morning. I want to help coach you through and, 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 and make wise choices when you're hurting. Again, you can do nothing, but that's not our option that we're going to take this morning. We can do something. So when you ask the question, where was God when? There's a better question to be asked. Asking why God or where God are not going to make your pain go away. The fact is, Jesus said this. He didn't say, I'm your where or I'm your why. In, in John 14, 6, Jesus says this. He says, I am the way. I, I'm the way, not the why. So asking why, okay, that's a, that's a great question, perhaps, if you're trying to solve a problem, like uh, I'm in pain. Why am I in pain? Well, because I'm walking incorrectly, or I'm doing the improper exercise, or I was a bit stupid on my bike, falling off like that. Why? Okay, knucklehead, pick it up and, and move on. But to keep asking that question is not going to lead you out of that pain. It's not going to deliver you. And so Jesus says this. He says, I'm the way. I'm the way, the truth. That's coming to grips with what's true. And, and I'm the truth and I'm the light. Psalm 34, 19, it says this. The righteous person, not the evil, wicked person, but the righteous person may have many troubles. <laughs> you could be righteous and have a lot of trouble. But, I oh, love the buts, but the Lord delivers them from them all. The better question than why is how will God deliver me from this situation? How will he do it? And God will deliver you. I, mean, I just got four points uh, on how God will deliver you from pain, from hurt, from uh, situations in life that are, aren't enjoyable. And number one, how will God deliver you? God will deliver you when you let Jesus walk with you. A lot of people get hurt and they get in pain 
And they turn away from God. They stop acknowledging that God's even there. And then they ask, where was God? Well, the better question is, where were you? And God knows what it's like to hurt. We're going to look at something in Matthew 27, in verse 27 to 31. He knows what it's like. He's familiar with pain. He's familiar with heartache. God is familiar with suffering. So when you're walking, don't walk alone. Don't walk with somebody that's not familiar with your pain. Walk with somebody that knows pain, that knows hurt, that knows suffering, that knows shame. He knows all of these things intimately. He's the Savior. It's why he come into the world. Matthew 27, I'm going to read this. Let's read this together. Jesus is, it's leading up to him being crucified. Not a pleasant thought. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus to the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. So I want you to see this. Jesus is standing there all by himself. He's surrounded by soldiers that are not friendly. They stripped him. Look what they did to him. They stripped him. They put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand. This is just the mocking going on. They knelt in front of him, and then they mocked him. First they stripped him, then they mocked him. Hail, king of the Jews, they said. Then they spit on him. And they took the staff and they struck him. Stripped, mocked, beaten, spit upon again and again they struck him. And after they'd mocked him, they took off the robe, they put his own clothes on him, and they led him away to crucify him. We don't have a God that doesn't know pain. We don't have a God that doesn't know what it's like to hurt. We don't have a God that doesn't know what it's like to, to be betrayed. If you want to be delivered out of it, don't ask, where was God? Ask, I, I, I want to know him. Will you walk with me? Am I walking with you, God? Or if I turn my back? He'll never turn your back on you. He'll never turn his back on you. you if, if, if he's not there, it's because you've turned your back on him. You can't have a better friend than that. Paul said in Philippians, he said, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and, and the participation of his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. So when you're walking with Jesus, you're walking with somebody that knows more than any of us what it's like to hurt. God, number two, God will deliver you when you fix your eyes on Jesus. See, Jesus, even when you can't see your way through, a lot of times we don't get delivered because we get our eyes on other things. We start clutching, and I know, when, it's, when you're in pain, it's awful. It's like, I'll do anything to get out of this. So somebody offers you a straw, you, you grab a hold of it, you find out it's not a rope, it's not solid, it's just a straw. And, and people will keep offering you all kinds of straws to, to, to help you get out of it. And, but the one thing you need to do while you're walking with him is just keep, keep your eyes 
Keep your eyes fixed, fixed immovably on Jesus. Not on all the straws and all the solutions and everything else. Fix your eyes upon him. Hebrews 12, 2 says this. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the author and perfecter of our faith. He is the alpha and the omega. He doesn't start something without finishing it. If you fix your eyes on him, he'll get you through the darkness for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So he's always there. It really hit me. I've talked with people that say that they went to heaven, whether they did or not. I guess only they and God know, but I, I find it very believable with some of the testimonies of people that I, that I know. They're not making it up. And they basically say the same thing. Take the most joyful moment in your whole life, multiply it times billions, and it wouldn't even come close to what I experienced in heaven where they stepped into that place called paradise. But then I think about how God stepped out of that God stepped out of paradise and into pain. Like that's like worse than, than going from a nice warm spa, jacuzzi or whatever, and then jumping in, in an icy lake. That's like, like wild, the difference. And he did that. And he did it for you. So that when you're in your pain, if you'll fix your eyes upon him, he will deliver you. Number three. God will deliver you when you walk together with other believers. Thus, our value statement and this whole series about we walk together even when it hurts. And sometimes the hurt is something that you're experiencing, like I said, could be physical, financial, relationship, but you're experiencing something emotional, something that's real, and the tendency is, I don't want to walk with, with anybody else. Walk with Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus, but walk with other believers. You walk with people. And there's a reason to walk with people. I want to look at Philippians 2. We're going to read verses 1 to 11. There's something profound here that I want you to get a hold of. How will we get delivered from this situation? Where was God when? Philippians 2.1. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, I hope that you do, if any comfort from his love, any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, compassion is a common passion. All, all of what this is saying is the community is important. Our community, our communing with him. But also, look at this. Then make joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. In what, Paul? Verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. I'm not going to walk with those people. <laughs> I don't need them. My faith is, it's me. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, 
Rather in humility, I want you to underline that word humility because we're going to look at that. I want you to make a note of that. I want that burned in your memory so that you'll understand how to walk out of the pain and, and what, what, what God did so that you can be delivered. In humility, value others above yourself. Oh, but not when I'm in pain, not when I'm hurting. Then it's about me, and that's the tendency. The tendency is to get selfish. The, the tendency is to become a victim. The, the tendency is to become self-centered. He doesn't say, except when you're in pain, then you can look at yourself and just, you know, think selfishly about it. No, no, no. He doesn't say that. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking at your own interests, but each of you the interest of the others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Now, what was that mindset, and how does that relate to humility? Good question. Who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in, and I want you to take this next word and do the same thing that you did with humble or humility, being made in human likeness. After being found in appearance as a man, look what he did. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name which is above every, no, we love this, at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Where was God when? That word humility it's an amazing word. The root words for the two words I asked you to make a note of. Humility and human. They both have the same Latin root, the translation to uh, Latin. The root words from, from Latin is humus, H-U-M-U-S. Humus means this. Humus is the same word translated out of Hebrew that was used that God formed man out of the dust, out of the dirt, out of the ground, ground from the earth. Humus, literally, it's a, it's a word that means earth or, and ground. The Latin hu, humus is used for hum, humility, and it's used for humanity, same root word. So humanity is hu, humanity. And the root word for human, the, the humus means earth and ground. Hum, humanus means man. God came to humus, earth. He humbled himself by becoming a human, a, a, a human being, someone that, that, that was grounded, somebody that took on and fashioned himself just like you and just like I. We are just dirt, seriously. When you die, not a great mystery. Spirit goes with God, hopefully. But your body goes back and decomposes back into the earth. There's so much water and so much potassium and iron and all, all, all of these, these elements. You're, you're fashioned from that. You go back to that. 
But humility is when you realize that everybody, all of us, that's why we walk together, we're all human. We're all humanus. We all come from the ground. We all have that in common. God fashioned himself. God, God stepped out of deity. God stepped out of heaven. And God came and he became one of us. He took on human us. He humbled himself. He hum humbled himself. He took on humus. He became one of us. So how can we pompously walk around as if we're somebody that's separated from anybody? That's why it's so important to walk together, even when it hurts. That we're not above any of this. We all hurt. Why? Because we're humus. We're human. We're fashioned out of the ground. I think it's the reason when Jesus encountered the woman who was caught in adultery, you might remember that, she was caught in the very act of adultery. And she's surrounded by these religious men. Oh, and they've, they're ready to stone her. They're ready to kill the woman. But Jesus steps in the midst of that. You remember what Jesus did? Two things, basically, that Jesus did. Number one, he stooped. He stooped down, just like Philippians is talking about God, divinity stooped to earth by becoming humus, by becoming one of us, by becoming humanus, by becoming a man. He humbled, same word again, he humbled himself. He became one of us, and he becomes one with her, not as a sinner, but in his, in his uh, touching, his identifying with her humanity. So he stoops, he kneels down, then he does something uncanny that Bible scholars have been trying to figure this out for a millennium. He takes his finger and he writes in the dirt. The finger of God, if you might have been to the Sistine Chapel, you'd see on the, uh, on the ceiling there, the, the, the painting, Michelangelo's painting, it's got the finger of God touching the finger of man. How amazing. Divinity touches humanity. He writes in the dirt, writes it with his finger because it was against their law to pick up a writing utensil on the Sabbath. It was against their law to work. And so he doesn't break their law. He uses his finger instead of a writing utensil. But the finger of God touches the humanity where this woman is. And he says, okay, whoever hasn't sinned, throw the first stone. And they all dropped their stones and they walked away. He humbled himself. He became human. Don't ever forget your origin. How, no matter how good your behavior is, no matter how godly you get, no matter how gifted you are, no matter how holy you think you are, don't ever forget you're still a dirt bag. <laughs> like all the rest of us dirt bags. You're human. Humble yourself. <laughs> Don't do anything through selfish ambition, through pride. We walk together by humbling ourselves 
And walking with people when they're hurt is not an easy thing. I, I like all the other words that, that humus is translated into. Humanities, it's another one. Hum, humanities, studies and interest of a cultural type which enrich the spirit of mankind. Exhume, same root word again, hume. Take out of the ground or unearth. Humble, we looked at that. Hume, bull, lowly, unpretentious as a humble person, humility, humility, the ability, the quality of lowliness, meekness, humiliate, to humble, to shame, to abuse, humiliation, feeling of shame and degradation. You think about the church, and I think this answers uh, another question. Why church? Why, why is it important that we walk together? Why, why don't we just have individual faith? Why, why don't we just watch somebody else's service online and never, and never gather as a collective? Why, why would we bother doing that? Well, 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 the why is pretty simple. God needs us together because we are his body on the earth. We are the, the, the earth body, if you will, of divinity. We are the body of Christ. When he ascended as the head, he, he left his body here on the earth. Guess what? That's us. Which means that we are the body of Christ. If it's going to happen, if hurting people are going to be set free, where is God? Well, the better question is where were you? Because you're his body. And collective faith can, can far exceed individual faith. I was kind of brought into the faith through the faith movement. I'm not bagging that at all. I went to Bible college at Ramah, Kenneth Hagin School, great man of faith. I learned a lot about individual faith. My faith got me this. Build your faith like a muscle and you'll get this and you'll get that. But the other side of that is the collective faith. It's when the body gets together, if two or more of you shall agree is touching anything. It's when your faith gets together with somebody else's faith or when you don't seem to have the faith because you're hurting and your eyes are no longer on Jesus. Your eyes are on your situation and your body is screaming out with pain. It's, that's when you need another believer to come alongside of you and walk together with you even when it hurts and that other believer might be hurting themselves. Chances are they got their own hurts. But God wants us to collectively, corporately be his body. Kneel down and write in somebody else's dirt with your finger. Where is God? Where are we? Seems like God only works through his church. He's always there. It's usually us that are missing. <laughs> I got a lot on this, but we walk together. I say especially when it hurts. Where was God when? The answer is, where are we? You could sit back and say, hey guys, just chill. Don't worry about it. God didn't say, hey, just chill. Don't gather together. Don't lock arms. Don't hold hands. Don't, don't do that stuff. Just be yourself. Be your own man. Be your own woman. God delivers you when? Number four, we'll close with this. When you find your purpose in your pain, not, not for your pain, but in the midst of it, 
Again, you can easily become victim, venomous, vacant, a blamer. But why not be an owner? I like what Jesus' response was when John the Baptist was put in prison. He's about to be beheaded. He does get beheaded. He doesn't get delivered out of the prison. Matthew 11, 2 to 6. When, G, when John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him. Uh, he hears about the incredible deeds Jesus is doing, he, but he's in prison himself. He's being tortured. He's, he's going to lose his life. He's going to be beheaded. Not a pleasant thought. So he sends somebody out to ask Jesus, are you the one who is to come? Because you're sure not delivering me from this. Or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. What's he talking about? He's talking about his purpose. He was in pain too. He's talking about finding purpose in the pain. Not for it, but in the pain Go back, report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. The good news is proclaimed to the poor. What are we supposed to be doing even when it hurts? The, 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 the sight to the, to the blind. The lame should be walking. The leprosy should be cleansed. The deaf should hear. The, all of these things is the body of Christ. Blessed, in verse 6, is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. I remember picking up when I drove a limousine in Tulsa while I was going to Bible college, had that job, and I had a job carrying suitcases at a hotel, so I kind of did both. I was pretty tired when I get to Bible college, but I was sent out to the airport to pick this man up, just one of the many trips that I did, and this guy was blind, and they said, well, look, you know, you're going to pick this guy. I don't remember his name, but um, he's an ambassador. He's in Tulsa. He normally hangs out at New York at the United Nations, but he's going to be speaking at the Westin. And uh, you go out, you pick the man up. So I went out there, and it's like, well, he's not going to see me. <laughs> he's blind. And... When I got to the airport, I went in, got to the gate where the plane was disembarking and looking for this man. It was pretty easy to spot him because he's got the cane. And he gets off the plane. So I walk up, introduce myself, tell him I'm, I'm going to be your driver. And, and I found sometimes the best thing to do with people that have had that kind of a thing happen is, is not to ignore the elephant, but to ask the question, how did it happen? So on the drive, it was like over a half hour drive from the airport to his hotel. I just asked him, I said, how'd you lose your sight? And he goes, well, I was a fighter pilot in World War II. I took off from, I think it was the Lexington. I think it was the Battle of the Carl Sea, but I could be wrong on, on that detail. But he took off and his aircraft carrier was sunk. He watched it go down. It was dive bomb. The Japanese took the aircraft carrier out. He had nowhere to land. He's a young man. He ran out of fuel. So he ditched in the ocean. And the fumes from the ocean that were on the ocean from the fuel 
blinded him. And the last memory was his aircraft carrier sinking. Now that guy, he could have become a victim in life. He could have been venomous over what happened to me and where's God and all the rest of it. But instead he found purpose. He got on with it. I remember I said to him, I said, man, you're so brave. And he goes, no, I'm not. I'm not brave. I only had two choices. Get on, find a purpose, or give up. And he chose not to give up, not to quit. He found, he, he found purpose. He chose to rewrite the ending of his life. He became an ambassador in New York City. I wonder how many of us, as we're sitting here right now, we're going to close. I'd like the worship team to come up. And thank you, Cameron. You can take that. I wonder, I wonder how many of us right now are asking the wrong question, where was God or where is God? When God's saying, hey, I want to walk with you, would you just get your eyes off of whatever it is so you're not going to become the victim this morning? Would you fix your eyes on Jesus? Would you determine to walk with him? And look, if you're watching online or you're here, you may not know him and, and you're not walking with him, but if you want to, I'm going to pray a prayer in a moment where you can ask Jesus into your heart. What does that mean? It means he'll walk with you through all of life, the good or the bad. He became human. He humbled himself. I wonder right now how many of us have walked away and we're just ignoring him. We're not looking at him. We're looking at other people. We're looking at the wrong thing. Would you walk together with other believers even when it hurts? Would you make a determination that I'm going to join hands with the rest of the body of Christ. I'm going to be part of a church, the body, to help alleviate somebody else's pain. And if you'll make that decision, I promise you, somewhere in the middle of that journey, as you're walking with him and your eyes are fixed on him and you're walking with other believers, I will promise you somewhere in there, your pain, your hurt, your aches, whether it be heartache or physical, will go away. He will deliver you out of them all. I'd like to pray right now. I'd like for, um, if you're here, and you do, I'd like all of us to bow our heads if you're watching online, I'd like for you to take advantage of this. It's the best decision you're ever going to make. And that's to follow Jesus Christ, to walk with him. So pray this prayer with me. If you want to ask Jesus into your heart, say, Dear God, I ask Jesus into my heart. I want to walk with you. Jesus, I give you my life. Amen. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.